Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we're going to learn what it takes to make your dreams a reality, even when presented with life's obstacles. We're going to take one woman's journey of becoming an author, publisher, and an entrepreneur, and how you too can take an opportunity to fill your dreams. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is That Thing About a Passion for the Written Word. My guest today is Chrissy Tasker. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, the founder, CEO of multiple businesses in the UK, and author, and the founder of the publishing company, The World is So Big. It's also known as TWISB. Welcome to the show, Chrissy. Hello, Micah. Thank you for having me. I so look forward for today's podcast. <laughs> I am absolutely looking forward to today. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. Yes, I so let's talk a little bit about your uh, your journey in life. Where'd you grow up? Oh, I was born and bred in Singapore, but now I actually stay in UK. I moved so with my family to UK now. And you, how, uh, when did you guys move up? Uh, in the year of 2016. So the whole family moved up to UK and the kids are studying in UK right now. So the majority of your young childhood, you lived in Singapore? Yes, all the time. <laughs> so what's it like to live in Singapore compared to the UK? Um, well, it's like they lock you in the cage and... and no, no kidding. Actually, uh, Singapore is... Um, you know, I didn't know I was so sheltered in Singapore until I moved out to UK because a lot of uh, news are censored in Singapore and everything is so sanitized. So when I came to UK, I realized that I was so sheltered all my life. And my kids now are exposed to a lot of things that you will never... like. I give a very good example. In Singapore, we never have to lock our doors. Even middle of the night, you never have to lock your doors and nothing happens. And if your kids are out middle of the night until 3 a.m., you know they are still fine. But it's not in this case in UK. But yet, um, the freedom of speech is not in Singapore. So I know I, um, we are so sheltered in Singapore because we were not exposed to most part of the world. So a lot of things we keep thinking, yes, the world is just this grey and white. But when I come into UK and the first day or the first week in UK, my kids, my, the teacher actually came to us and said, your kids are actually very quiet. They are too quiet and they don't ask questions. But in my mind, I say, what? Actually, in Singapore, we are taught not to ask questions. <laughs> you see, so I, I realised that I was living in two, you know, a different world until now. So I'm quite glad I have this exposure and I'm quite glad that I have the opportunity to see a two different parts of the world, actually. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. The uh, aspect of being able to keep your door unlocked all night is really kind of kind of cool, actually. But yes. <laughs> freedom, of <laughs> Never heard of. <laughs> freedom of speech is even better, though. Freedom of speech is a very important aspect of life. So yeah, tell you, me a little bit. You are not allowed to host... Um, any public speaking without getting a license from the government, you will get arrested. In, that, that is happening in Singapore. Wow, wow that's crazy. Yeah. Yes. So Singapore is it is it uh, with is the government within itself, or is it governed by is it governed by China, or is it? No, no, no. Singapore is gov How crazy is that? Until today, when in UK, people still ask me, "Is Singapore part of China?" I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> Where are these people from? No, we have our own government in Singapore, but the same party that have ruled Singapore have ruled like 30, 40 years. The same party. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Same, 
That's why we love the value of a democratic system here in the United States, because the opportunity exists to change that party at least every eight years maximum. But I will also say freedom comes with the price of, I think you can only give freedom to people who are matured to handle freedom. So there is certain part of the world, probably the, the people are just not mature enough to handle the freedom that hand back to them. I mean, there's, if I were to say this, there's a lot of people that's going to disagree, especially in China, the Tiananmen incidents. Imagine that very night, if the student were to win, although all those, the, the, the part where the kids die, that is such, such a sad thing. It should, not, it should not have happened. But imagine if that very night, the kids were to win and the students won over the government and they rule the, the China. It's going to be a big, big disaster, isn't it? So to handle somebody the maturity, they must have the, you know, the, the freedom. They must have the maturity to handle the freedom at the same time. I agree with that. I think that's important. Um, you have to have the maturity, the experience, and the knowledge yeah. behind you in order to understand how to implement it. Exactly. So that, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your family. Do you have um, brothers, sisters? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I don't know how did my mom do it. She has 11 kids. <laughs> 11 kids. <laughs> I don't know how she do it. That made me tears. Okay. Uh, so she has 11 kids. But because um, at that point of time, there was like 1980-something, people are very poor then. So she had to give away three children in order to keep the rest alive. Wow. So totally lost touch. And there was, um, I have a pair of twin sisters that was given away. That to, I think to the day she died, she was still thinking of them, but they have, she had have no way to trace where they, are, where they are, actually. Oh, that's too bad in that regard. Yeah. That's... It's too bad. Yeah, we had trouble raising two kids. I can't imagine raising that many. <laughs> I know. I don't know how they should do it. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. My kids are great. They really, they, they are. They're great kids. But Watch out, Michael. They're listening. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> uh, yeah, my daughters helped me edit this, so I have to be careful what I say. Oh, nice of her. <laughs> I can't, can't run as fast as them. <laughs> yeah, they are. So when you were growing up, something happened to you when you were about 15 and a half years old. Can you share that with us? Oh, yes. Uh, when I was 15, my father passed away suddenly. And my whole we did not have money to bury him, actually. So we have to leave him in the mortuary. So it was quite a devastating. In the night, I actually heard my mom cry, crying out of desperation because we do not know what to do. But there was something quite miracle happened. There was a group of strangers that we do not know who they are. They came together to chip in the money to help the funeral. And not only that, they came night after night to support the family at the same time. So forever I'm indebted to this group of kindness, the, the community that came together to help our family. So wherever I am now, I want to give it back. So I actually volunteer, even right now, I volunteer to help the children's society uh, to be the ambassador for them at the same time. So I, I, I give back most of the time because I know my life, I can be where I am today because I was given, I was supported by this community. That's why I can be where I am today. There is, yeah. That was some amazing compassion and empathy that was expressed to you. That's, that's really Yes, profound. it is. Yeah. yeah. Especially coming from strangers. So that's, yeah. that's a really nice community. Um, you had to make a, 
You had to make a decision with that when you were that age, didn't you? A very wow. difficult decision. I know. When I I have not thought for it for many, many years until I had that conversation with you. Because that very night when my father was put in the ambulance, they 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 actually turned around and said, Who can speak English? And the whole family looked at me because I'm the only one who understand, spoke and speak English. So they actually put me in the ambulance with my father to the hospital. So while my family was making their way to the hospital, I was alone with my father there. And the, hosp- the, the doctors and the nurses was trying to resuscitate him. So to the point that they can't do it anymore, the doctor came out to me and they asked me, since you are the next of kin here, we will have to ask for permission for us to stop saving your father, to resuscitate him. I was 15. Imagine you were put, you were asked to make a decision to terminate someone's life and that someone happened to be my father. I, I actually, yes, I, I know I have to at the point. And I did say yes. I say if there is nothing else you can do, I give you that permission. Gosh, now when I think back, like, wow, at age 15, I actually made that decision. It was, it was quite crazy. But because you do that and you have to grow up quickly after you did that, it, it just overnight, I realized that, wow, I no longer can be a kid. I have to grow up. Yeah. It changes your life in an instant. Oh, yes, totally. It does. Did that um, create the environment for you to succeed further in your life to make sure that every moment counted? Yes, I became very independent and I started my first business when I was age 16. Wow. So, yeah, so it, it was like, it, you no longer think you are kids anymore when you make such a big decision in life. So at age 16, me and one of my friends, we walked up to um, a reception, a, a, a big office building, because we know that the, they have all these workers that came out of the office every day and travel by bus to a canteen to have, you know, because I, I happened to work in the canteen as a part-timer. So we actually march up to the office receptions and ask them for business. That was age 16. And I was, we told them, we said, we have no experience, but would you give us an opportunity to cater to your office staff so they do not have to travel out to just get the food and travel back, you know? And the reception look at these two young kids. They were only like 16 and my friend was 17. They're like, they look at me and they look at my friend. They say, yeah, we'll give you a try. I was like, Wow. Imagine I was catering to 300 workers every day. Wow. When I was age 16, I was, until today, I cannot believe my luck. But we did, we did that for like almost one over year. Because after that, we went back to the canteen and we looked for resources. We looked for somebody that would do the cooking, everything for us when we, when we go and get more sales and do the delivery. And we did that for almost one year. And in the end, I sold the business to my partner and then we, we, I moved on to do other things. So from there, I never stop. I never stop again. <laughs> An entrepreneur at 16. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I mean, that really is amazing, especially catering to like 300 people. That's, uh, that's kind of, uh, that's a very unique journey. But so you now, life is, I, I really learn in life, if you never ask, you never know. Right? You can, that's true. The most you can get a no, right? But you never know. And because I have nothing at the point of time, I know. What else can I lose? What well, else? Exactly. Yeah. I have a saying, and I've said it for, I don't know, 
how many years, but the first step to failure is the one you never take. Oh, what a good quote. I must steal that, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. That's exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, I, I thought about that uh, 25 years ago, 25 years ago. That is so true, yeah. So when did your interest in books start? Uh, I have a, a, quite a few books now. I, I started publishing during the... Because I used to have to travel so much for business, but because of the COVID, all this traveling was banned. So literally, I was set at home. I have a lot of time in my hand. And since when I was a little child, I always wanted to, to be an author. It, it's, it's always my secret and bold dream. But because I'm, I'm badly dyslexic, I like so bad, the spelling, I can't, it's horrifying. But I, that's why I keep telling myself it's impossible. Nobody will read my story. And it stopped me for so many years. So when the COVID came, I was so free and I started, you know, enrolling into different courses, how to write books and stuff like this, and how to be a publisher. And in the end, I started publishing books. It's quite amazing when I have my first book out, my husband cannot believe. So I started publishing fiction. So I write novels and stuff like this. Uh, I have um, a, a series book called The Secret of the Oxpan Angel. It's a three-book series, which is up on Amazon now. And, and then I start trying fantasy books. And now I have my self-help. And I did, um, did uh, co-author books with 18 authors, which is a very amazing experience. 18 of my friends who wanted to write a book, but they do not know how. And they don't have the courage. And in the end, I told them, I said, come on. Let's do that. Do it together. Because I started mine, I know you can do it. So I, I wrote them up and then we have, I round them up and the 18 of us, we, we wrote a book and it was beautiful. On day one, we hit Amazon number one bestseller. It was, oh, that's amazing. I know, it was so cool. So did you, I think I read something that you had always wanted to be an author since like you were seven years old. Yes. The, the first time when someone... I can't remember, was it my sister or my one of my friends brought me to a bookshop and I saw all this beautiful book cover on the shelf and I was telling myself, I want my name to be up on this book cover. That was age seven. I remember I said, I want my name to be on this book cover. It was my secret, my intentions. And when it happened recently, I was so, so like, I know I'm so blessed that not many people can fulfill their dream. And I did. I was... And that's Which is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, most most girls at seven years old uh, want to be a princess or they want to <laughs> a dancer, you know, or, 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 you know, they dream of many of the things. So wanting to be a writer and an author is yes. really kind of astounding, I think. In our previous discussion prior to this this uh, session, this podcast session, um, I think I told you that my father was a journalist. Oh, so, yes, yes, yes. You told me yeah, about I, that, yeah. I have, a, I have a respect for writers and um, my my family, most of them wanted me to be an author and a writer, kind of following my father's footsteps. And for a long time, I that's what I was actually pursuing up until I went to college and I took yeah. some journalistic classes in college and and so forth. And I had uh, written an outline for a novel, and my teacher said, "You know, that sounds more like a movie <laughs> wow. than it a book." <laughs> so I kind of switched to screenwriting, actually. So. Um, I'm actually had, had, uh, kind of transitioned into that part of it, but, and then I became a cop. So it, it kind of completely took another turn. <laughs> so Michael, we're looking forward for your first book then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I still have to do my first book. 
Everybody's got their first book. It's just in the drawer somewhere. You, you see, I'm, I'm so happy with this kind of collaborations. That's why recently, you know, I came out another new book called The Power of Collaborations. Because literally, I met different people and we all start brainstorming and become alliance. And it's just amazing that collaborations can bring people together and, you know, share resources and meeting different people you know, tapping on each other's strength is such an amazing thing. So recently, I started another book called The Power of Collaboration, which is coming in this October. Uh, uh, I, will, I will want to share the link with you, just I have not put up on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, but everybody oh, should see that. So on your journey to becoming an author and a, um, and a, and a publisher, you said you would take some classes. Did you go to university or did you take a collective of classes? No, in, in the industry, there are quite a lot of, uh, quite a few very reputable um, teachers that is teaching how to write a book or how to be a publisher, how to publish your own book. But different people teach different things. So I literally paid, I can't tell my husband, I paid almost like 30 over thousands just to learn from different teachers of how to do the books, how to go into publishing, how to do different things. I literally, every day I was taking uh, different courses just to, educate myself to how to do it. it. I have this nature when I want to learn something, I literally go and do all these resources myself. It's the same as my property business. When we came into UK, because we sell out whatever we have in Singapore, and we came to UK, me and my husband, we thought that we can retire. We want to retire. But after three months, we were bored of our head. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we decided to do property and so within six months we bought eight properties and but literally we taught ourselves we went around to learn all the different courses and then we start doing it ourselves so within six months we we, are, we went into property so we are starting a course on how to uh how to invest in property in uk property at the same time which the coming months is up and coming we would like to share with you too <laughs> Yeah, that would be yeah. great. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have another conversation here. Yes. I would love to, you know, we'll come back and revisit our conversation. <laughs> That's for sure. So the the business that you started there, I know that you're this the founder and the CEO of uh, several businesses. So the property group is one of them. Um the the um you guys you like buy and sell property? Yeah. So we have the publishing company, we have the uh we, we do buy to let, but we have another system where we do up the property and we rent it out to um, the government sector. So it's a guaranteed renter for like five to 10 years. And then we also have, so I, I don't believe in putting all the eggs in one basket. So my property, we have the sector just with the government, another sector which we do service accommodation, which bring a higher income. So different part of the like the, the business is spread into different basket. And then that's I also it. have another business. Sorry, Michael, I'm like non-stop. No. That's okay. <laughs> I have another business that we do um distribution of uh Chesterfield sofa. Uh that is handmade in UK and we distribute it into Singapore. People keep telling me who will buy leather sofa in Singapore. Oh my gosh. We have our business is like non-stop. <laughs> It's crazy. That's a positive yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. What's it like to be a woman in, in business? I mean, what's it like, like in the UK, what's it like to be a woman uh, a CEO? Now, now, I must be honest with you. Running your own business is not as easy as you think, but it does give you a lot of freedom of choice. R running your business, you literally, your 
when you have staff or employee, they will be out on holiday. They will turn off their phone in the midnight. But when you are a business owner, you are committed 100%. 100% because you, nobody is as passionate as you for the business. Nobody. So literally, to make the business work, you have to be resourceful. You, and sometimes it's so lonely because you have to make the decision yourself. So it's nice if you have a partner, but unless you get the right partner. Because a lot of time you have to make the decisions. So decision alone is quite a lonely journey because sometimes you do not know, is it right, is it wrong? And you have to go with your gut feeling. But a lot of time, your gut feeling is, is right. You have to believe that. That is where the intuitions came from because that is telling you the right thing to do. But, and I again emphasize, if you are a sole, sole trader, a business owner, collaborate. Collaborate with as many people as possible because that helps you to tap into many, many different resources. And do not be afraid to have to share resources because the more the, the pie is so big, the pie is so big, then there's a cut for everyone. Okay. So when you share resources, when you collaborate, you form alliance, I tell you, that is where your business can grow faster. That is how it is. Yeah. And that's a good thing. I mean, that really is a good thing. So you and your, your husband both are the sole owners of both yeah, of those we, we are doing, yes, both of us are in the property business, uh, but I'm the only one that's running the publishing business and I have some other employee that's in Singapore helping me to run the publishing business that's at the nice. same time. Yeah. So what motivated you to um, to be a publisher? I mean, to, and to own your own publishing company, that's quite a task actually. Oh, yes, it is. But because I, I want to publish book myself, I want to be an author myself. So I'm thinking, since I'm going to publish so many books, I might as well be a publisher. So that's how I started. But then after that, there are friends who lost their job and thinking, because book, you can use book as an intellectual property. Because I, I believe in creating intellectual property that bring you passive income. And when you have a book, literally, that will bring you passive income. That is what's happening to me now. So, and I have friends who lost their job and when they come to me, they say, what should I do? I say, why don't you publish book? And that is where I start publishing for everybody. And that is what, um, friends that have came with me to do the uh, co-author books, literally it gives them the courage to start their own book. The 18 authors that came in and do the co-author book with me, the book is called Garden of Hope and you can find them on Amazon now. So, Literally 50% of this author that co-author with me, they went on and do their own books because they found the courage. Within this 18 author, we, we actually synergy and we collaborate and they can see that this is possible. And in the end, they came out and do their own book, which is such a good thing to see. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's phenomenal. It, it, it's a scary world in the publishing world. Um, so that, that actually, that it's very... To, it's very, to be an author, you need so much courage, especially if you're going to tell your story. You will have so many things in your mind. You say, I, I think a lot of time people will say, my story is not good enough. Nobody will buy my book. But that is not true. If your story can help one person, that is one life you're saving. So that's why I always tell my friend, it's one life that is saved, it's more than enough. Yeah, that's that a very... Um, it's a very positive outlook in regard to that. I think that's yeah, yeah. That, that made me think about something. So <laughs> you you may have my mind reeling about writing a book. Yeah, we're gonna have your book soon, Michael. 
<laughs> that'd be amazing. Amazing to see your story in a book, Michael. It's called One More Thing Before You Go. Wow. <laughs> That's it. So how how was um how was being a publisher? How has that changed your life? Now I you'd be amazed. Yesterday I was just on another podcast and you know the criteria of them inviting you to the podcast, literally they were looking for credibility. And having a book published under your name brings credibility to what you do. It gives you to become the authority in your field. So I always encourage people, if, uh, if you are doing an online course, if you are teaching some subject, do consider publish a book because it gives you so much authority in what you are talking about. So like I mentioned to you, I was on the podcast yesterday and that was the, the podcast, he have a, a listener, a download of 65,000 viewers and count Elon Musk as one of his interview guests. So it, literally when he was scouting for guest to interview, he was looking for published author. So this is one of the criteria. I know being a published author does help me and lead me to somewhere. And the other day, a magazine contacted me as well, said, because you're a published author, we would like to talk about what you do. So you see, being a published author lead you to open, help you to open door to so many places that you cannot go, but that lead you to the possibility. So it definitely changed your life. Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. Both being an author and a publisher because it gave you an opportunity to not only the age. <laughs> express your own, exactly, you expressed what you've been wanting to do since you were seven yeah, years old. I, you fulfilled that. And I always say, I always tell myself, since I'm the publisher, I can do it my way. <laughs> I don't care. I can, whatever, you know, I can do it my way, the way I want it. I mean, it's, it's quite cool to have the authority to do it. <laughs> That's, yeah. Do I want to write this? Do I not want to write Yes, exactly. I want my book cover this way. Yes, you know, that's how it throw, is. Throw it out. Try it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, that's kind of cool. That's kind of very profound. As you said, you're the author of uh, the number one best-selling, The Secret of the Oxman's Angel, and it's a series, correct? Yes. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that. Now, the inspiration from this book came from the day when I buried my grandmother in UK, when we passed by the cemetery and I saw all this like overtowering big statue of angel in this in the cemetery, I'm like, what is that? That was a, that is the first time I entered a cemetery in UK. And I was, you know, in my mind, all this angel was all this angel statue was staring at me and they were their eyes was following me. I was quite I was quite frightened actually, but it gave me a lot of inspiration to, to write this book. So that's why the book, there is an element of this angel statue in, in the book itself. But um, a lot of my books came from inspirations around me. So this book is about um, uh, in, in this society where there is people, explored young women who went to college. So it's a it's a series that is a trailer that lead to that. I, I don't want I don't want to tell the whole thing so nobody will start reading. <laughs> but it's it's really interesting. In the end, uh, in the end, of course, people see the light of exposing these uh, syndicates. But it's about uh, people expose this vulnerability of these young students that went to uni, and you know they get caught in the syndicate. 
So I also have uh, the next book coming up. This is under the pseudo's name, uh, under Lea Tasca, which was my childhood name and my daughter's name at the same time. <laughs> so, but it was under uh, a pen's name. So I, my next book under this pen's name is called uh, The Tree Life of Elia Douglas, which is which I'm actually going to publish it um, uh, end of this week on up on Amazon. And that was inspired when a trip when I went to Scotland with my family on a camper van. Scotland is such an amazing place. It's so beautiful, but it's hauntingly beautiful at the same time. You you can tell when you enter that place. Anyone who have not been Scotland, you have to travel up there. Inverness, and it's just amazing country. Loch Ness and Inverness, that that place itself tell you they have so many history behind them, and all this castle, the ruined castle, telling you. There was once a prince or a princess actually stayed in that castle, but it's now ruined. So it's amazing. And so when I see all these places, there's a lot of inspiration came up. So my my second book is my second series book is about this castle that is in uh, Scotland. So look out for it as well <laughs> in Amazon. And that's the the three lives of Elliot Douglas series. Yes, that's right. That is coming up end of this month, uh, end of this week. Now, when you, what made you um. What made you like choose to do a series like within each one of these things? Is it something that you uh, you, you felt that uh, it would? Uh... No, remember I mentioned about book as a uh, intellectual property. So when I write book, because of my nature, you see, because I was very poor before, so the fundamental is very important to me. I don't just do hobby as a hobby. <laughs> I must say that so. When I publish a book, I, I want to create my book as an intellectual property that will generate a passive income for me. So one of the strategy is actually doing book series. So I've just given the biggest industries like secret to you now. <laughs> so how uh, a lot of books author they make a very good income through their book publishing is by doing book series. So you have a very good successful book one and that's where we, you bring in reader to come and do your uh, buy your second and third book series and that is where book series will bring you a continuation of passive income. And book is such a thing, once you're up there, you, you just need to do it once and you continue to generate the passive income for you as long as you do the right marketing. I have an online course that teach about that which I will talk to you in the next podcast. Um, it's called the Author Syndicates Academy that teach students how to do, how to how to convert or publish a book into business that bring passive income. That's outstanding. I can't wait for that conversation. <laughs> yes, yes. Is it is it difficult to write a series compared to just like one book? No, surprisingly, surprisingly, because once you started the base and then the the, the story will flow. But how we started a, a really good series is always by an element. That means we always have an object, a focus object, and from there we as you know, like we call it the mind map or thing like that. From there we explore and into like you know, chain into many different part of the stories. So, so do you have the idea. same primary character in like the current series that you have out? Yes. So, so it's the each same. series there is always a focus, a character. Same, char same character yeah. runs so through the series. Then there's a continuity that reader can follow. So sometimes you can see, so, so sometimes there's certain series book uh, based on one character and you go for like 10, 15 series because the reader wanted it. The reader 
think this is an interesting character. And you can actually get the sentiment because from the feedback, the reader actually wrote to you and said, can you carry on? I literally have reader feeding back to me to say that, oh, this is quite amazing. Why didn't she go this way? Why did They actually suggest a plot for you, which is quite cool. Yeah. Do you think it's easier to write a fiction book compared to a, um, a nonfiction? Since you 100%, have both? 100% easier. <laughs> because I tell you, talking about your own story is much more difficult because it has to be a fact. But where else where you do nonfiction book, it can be imaginations. Nobody check your facts. So... <laughs> You see, that's how it is. <laughs> but I, uh, because of demands, and I actually came out uh, my own non-fiction book now, I have uh, the new book called The Power of Collaborations. Another book is based on my experience as a podcast guest. It's called How to Be a Perfect Podcast Guest, which is coming up too. And I have uh, another book which uh, based on my journey to UK of how I simplified my life uh, when I come to UK. It's called Stillness in My Soul. So these are all coming up uh, in the month of October, actually. I'm all targeting before Christmas. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> yes. That's a good thing. Hopefully, we'll still all have a Black Friday. <laughs> So, I mean, I mean, that's one, I guess, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for saying this statement, but <laughs> I guess there's one thing that, that came out of uh, COVID and having to be um, quarantined in your home for so long, it allows you the opportunity to use that creativity into something positive. I, I must tell you, I, when I spoke to quite a few of my friends, in fact, there's a lot of possibility or there's a lot of positive, positive things that came out of this COVID, actually. Like, a lot of my friends started online course. But I think basically before the COVID, there were so many noise around the world, isn't it? And it's only during this time that when you really stay still and listen to yourself. There, there's a lot of conversation between friends and things, but there's also a lot of conversation between yourself and God. And that is the part where you really listen. Because the COVID time and during the lockdown, everything became quiet. I can hear myself think. Other time, you, we, I'm always so busy on the internet. I'm always like when I'm going to do something, I literally open up 10 over tabs. So imagine that in your mind. That is exactly what happened to us. So when I realized, and that is where my first book is because uh, that's how I started my first book. I realized that suddenly I shut down. I don't have to listen to the voices outside and only myself. I realized, and that is how it, when you can hear the silence, when you can hear the stillness, you actually find the purpose. It will help you to find the purpose of what your life really means. And remember we had that conversation of me had a dream that I was dead? Yes. That was exactly what happened. Uh, should I say that? <laughs> you can say that, yes. So a few months back, I actually had a very vivid dream. I dreamt that I was dead in my dream. And it was not one of those dreams that I wake up and I forget, but I actually woke up middle of the night and I, I know that I remember every single thing in the dream. And I was dead in my dream. And my mom who, was, who had passed away was alive in the dream. And during that journey, and I only have seven days on earth in that in the dream to, to settle my affair before I totally pass away. And that made me realize that it's a lot of things on earth that I currently thought is so important. And the moment when you know you're dead, 
is no longer important. So it made me revalue life again. It made me realize that what I want to do and I want to do it passionately because truly life can take you anytime where we think we have so much time, but life can take you overnight and you never know. So I really urge everyone to look into your life again and live life with purpose and live life with passions. It's amazing. I'm glad that you did remember that. So you like inspire other people and help them thrive. Is that part of that to help spread that joy, inspiration? So you, you see, because I remember I told you, because since then I was helped by this community of people that came, they, they're not going to get anything out of me. We, so that, that means they came without a purpose of, without thinking they're going to benefit helping me. No, nothing. But they came with a passion, with a compassion of just helping this poor family out. So I knew that I'm, I'm gifted. I'm, I'm, these people have given me a, a chance, a second chance, you know. And that is what I want to do. I want to give people a second chance too. If, uh, so all the time, if I come across anybody that need help, if I could lead them to somebody, I will. If I could share the resources, I will. Because by giving, I actually receive even more. That's amazing. What do you like to do to relax and enjoy life? Writing books. <laughs> no, part of it. I, I used to be, you know, after that dream, that's where I realized I used to be so serious. I used to think that I have to work all the time because of my brought up, right? I'm thinking that I, if I don't work, I will be like not doing right thing. That means I'm not achieving anything. But right now I know my family, I know my, the most important thing is my family. My family came first. My passion came second. And freedom came third. That means passion of what I can do and freedom of choice. So I must know what so I have this principle. Whatever I do, I must have the freedom of choice. Freedom to continue, freedom to do it because I want to do it. Freedom to be able to walk out and have lunch with my husband. So that is freedom of choice. So whatever I do, it has to lead to these three principles of my life. That works. That works a lot. <laughs> Um, yes, it does. I know you like taking walks along the UK countryside with your rescue dog. Yes, yes, I have. And you know, he's sitting beside me, actually. So we rescued a dog called Reggie. Uh, he was transferred from a, a family that have him for two years. I think he, he, he actually beat someone. He beat a kid. But I think it was because he had a ear infection and the kids went to poke his ear. So he, he get aggressive. But now when he's with us, he's amazing. He's, he just stay. That at home he's like a Labrador. He's he's a Labrador cr uh, cross um, retriever. So at home he's like a Labrador. He literally want to sit on your lap all the time. But when he's out there, he's like, wow, I'm not coming back. You know, <laughs> that's a two nature. But I we are so thankful we have this dog. Literally, we actually adopt him one day before the lockdown. But because wow. of of the dog, we, we have a good excuse to walk, <laughs> to go outside and walk and walk miles and miles because of him and. It really get us out of the house. And, you know, during the COVID, it's quite, uh, during the lockdown, it's quite, um, what is the words I say? Literally, I think my kids, um, even my husband, there is something that cope up in us that we cannot express. But a lot of time, you will see what happened. My kids will go to the dog and hug the dog. And same like my husband, they will just express their love or the compassions or, you know, anything, they're using the dog as a way to express it instead of 
you know, sometimes you, you can't express to each other. You do that to the dog. So I felt the dog being around, he's very healing for us. It's such amazing that the animal have actually given us this opportunity to express, you know, the freedom of express instead of us the other way. So I'm quite thankful to have this amazing. That's really nice. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, that's probably because the dog knows when you rescue the dog like that, they know you did it for a reason. We have a rescue dog. Oh, you did? Our, wow. Our last... We, our last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, our last seven animals were actually rescues. Wow. Yeah, we believe in, we believe in that. We don't believe in puppy mills. So it works. Yeah. If yeah. someone is interested in your publishing services, how do they get in touch with you? So my website uh, in UK is called twisbpublishing.com. TWISB literally stands for the world is so big publishing.com so why i say the world is so big because we're only one book away you actually connect and link everyone with just one book away that's why it's called the world is so big publishing.com that's kind of cute i like that it's so profound <laughs> see i'm the publisher i can do anything i want <laughs> exactly you set the rules you set the rules do you, do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share now, thank you for having me, uh, Micah. So I hope everyone will have a, you know, remember that you can live life passionately. You can. Now set the intentions. And, you know, a lot of, I see a lot of people just toy day and night, working that nine to five job, thinking you have no way out. But you do, unless you believe you can get out of what you do and live life passionately. And that's what I want everybody to know. Live life with a purpose. Live life with a passion. That's profound words of wisdom. I will have links to your books and your website on my website and in the show notes. Thank so you very anybody much. can just follow through with a link. And I really appreciate you connecting with me. And I've had a, uh, it was a great conversation. So thank you thank very you much. Thank you for having me, Micah. It's such a great conversation with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.